I declare? in the knowledge of him and I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding as a result of this I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord I am pleasing him in all respects I am bearing fruit in every good work and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God now again I incline my ears to his word the word is entering my heart it is giving me light and direction it is healing me in every area and it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 The word of God is healing you in every area in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. He's healing every part of your body in the name of Jesus. Amen. He sent his word and healed them. That word delivered them from all their destructions. That is your testimony in the name of Jesus. Amen. That word is delivering you from all your confusion in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are things that you are doing which you are convinced they are right, but actually they are wrong. That word will give you light in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That word will give you light in the name of Jesus. Amen. Many of the problems we have in life, they arise because we are engaged in a wrong procedure. Remember the story of David when he went to get um, the ark. What happened to David? There was a problem on the way, even though he had a good intention. Good intentions don't guarantee success. You must understand that. Good intentions don't mean that you are doing what is right. It does not mean you will succeed. Good intentions don't cut it alone. You must, apart from your good intention, you must have the good procedure. You must have the right procedure. You must have the right method. So at the point in time, David said, let's go and bring the ark of God back to where it belongs. And then because of his zeal and his good intention, he decided to buy the latest model limousine and put the ark of God on it. Of course, they didn't have limos then. But he built a cart, beautiful one, and had two strong animals. He had two oxen, all right, drawing the cart. And then he had a very good ox driver, driver of the cart, all right, or the carriage, whatever. And the man was driving very well. This man also had passion for the things of God. Along the way, God put, sent an angel, and an angel you know, tripped one of the uh, oxen, and the animal stumbled. And because the animal was going to fall, all right. It was now twisting the cart up and down. The man in his zeal reached out to steady the ark of God. And God was very angry. The Bible said that God was angry. The anger of God was provoked against Uzzah. And God struck Uzzah there and he died. Now, listen. Good intention? Yes. Zeal? Yes. Good offering for the Lord? Yes. But did it work? No. Why? The procedure was wrong. David himself said it later, he said, we did not seek him after the due order. What am I trying to say? Many of the things you are doing in life, the reason why you are having problems is because, not because you don't have a good heart, you have a good heart. You have a good heart. You are a nice person. Okay? <laughs> you actually meant well. But God said, even though your heart is right and you mean well, your procedure is wrong. Now let me pray for you again today. The correction you need to set you on the path of success, receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The word that is coming forth will give you that necessary correction in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. It's every man's way is right in his own eyes. Your way that you thought was right, but it's actually wrong. God will point it out to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. When Elihu prayed, he said, we should pray like this. That which I see not, teach thou me. This is my word for you today, the word of God. That which you do not know, the Lord will teach you today in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have a word I just dropped in my mind also. 
when correction is coming, please do not lean on your own understanding. Are you getting my point? Okay, how do I know the correction is right? It's two things that is going to happen to you. One, it will be shown to you from Scripture. It won't be popular. It will be shown to you from Scripture that is in line with Scripture. That is a correction. And then number two, people who are more experienced than you in life, they will tell you that this is not the way it works. Get ready, it's coming to you. You must not be stubborn. Those that God destroys are the people that are stubborn. It's not those who make mistakes. It's not those who did something wrong. No, 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 no. And I told you as a young boy, a friend of mine went for a Bible knowledge class, and they showed, they compared the sins of David with that of Saul. And God did not forgive Saul, yet he forgave David. But by human calculation, what did Saul do really before God rejected him? All right? That is before the rejection. After the rejection, he did a lot of terrible things. But before he was rejected, he didn't do many things that were so wrong. But David was never rejected, and he did all kinds of wrong things. And my friend said, look at it. Was that fair? All right? But later on, I understood it. Just that we did not know. Of course, I realized what was happening. As, a, as young children, we didn't understand how God weighs iniquity. We didn't understand what God says is right and what God says is wrong and the gravity of which one that he says is wrong. All right? The Bible says, God said clearly, to disobey is <laughs> like the sin of witchcraft. Are you getting my point? Yes. I mean, he said it is better to obey than to sacrifice. That for God, obedience is the strongest thing. You get my point? Yes. Now you see, so for Paul, and then, like I said, if you go and read it very well, when God tried to correct Saul, all right, you will see that Samuel came and said, you didn't do what we told you to do, but he insisted. Now listen, and Samuel now said that because you have rejected the word of the Lord thy God, he has also rejected you from being king. I want to give you the explanation again. It was not the rejection of that word, go and kill the Amalekites. That was not the word. It was the word of correction. It was when he rejected the word of correction that God rejected him from being king. When people are destroyed is when they don't agree to be corrected. Are you getting my point? Yes, it is the mule, the, the stubborn fellow that will refuse to be corrected that is destroyed. It's not the one who made the mistake. No matter how terrible the mistake you make, all right, there is a way back to the center of the will of God. That's why Jesus died. That's why he died. Listen, if, I hear people say that if you have sinned, the consequences will remain. I don't believe that gospel won't beat. If it was like that, then it is, Jesus died in vain. That, look, the blood of Jesus does not only cleanse the sin, it cleanses consequences also. The reason why he doesn't cleanse so a lot of times is that people are not repentant. They walk on stubbornly in their sins. Making excuses. My message today is going to deal with that. You don't make excuses for sins. You know, it's Nigeria. You know, as a man, what else can you do? When God wants to destroy people, it's because of stubbornness. Refusal to be corrected. That would not be your portion in the name of Jesus. Amen. He said, I'm convinced of better things concerning you. Concerning you, better things will happen in the name of Jesus. Amen. You will not be stubborn. Amen. You will receive correction amen. in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have been filled with that knowledge, give me another amen. amen. Alright, congratulate somebody beside you. Say you are, you are walking the manner worthy of the Lord. Tell the person is well with you in the name of Jesus. Bless somebody else on the other side. Tell the person, welcome to another feasting time. The word will enter your heart today. In the name of Jesus. Alright, let's take our seats. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. 
we have been talking about dominion over sin. And I want to just uh, maybe, let's round that off today. If not, we'll finish it next time. And let's just um, read two portions of the Bible which we have been reading again and again. Second Peter chapter 1. That is the main one we have been reading. We will start from verse um, 1. Simon Peter, born servant apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have received a face of the same kind as ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, Grace, verse 2, and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Now notice verse 5. Now for this very reason also, applying all diligence. Everybody say all diligence. All diligence. He said applying all diligence in your faith supply moral excellence. And your moral excellence, knowledge. And your knowledge, self-control. And your self-control, perseverance. And your perseverance, godliness. And your godliness, brotherly kindness. And your brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, what are those things? The increasing in moral excellence, the increasing in faith, knowledge, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. As long as you practice these things, the Bible says, you will never stumble. For in this way, the entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. The Lord is good. Now that's the scripture we have been using, and we're going to comment on it briefly again before we go into our prayer session this um, afternoon. This is our school of prayer. Let me just read you another one we read last time, because those are the two main things we are going to use today as a foundation for what we are um, discussing. Psalm 45. Now, I want to read from verse um, 6. It says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of uprightness is a scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Or if you have a King James, it says iniquity. Therefore, somebody say therefore. He said, therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your fellows. That's what the scripture says. Now, these are the two main scriptures I want to use today to, all right, um, as a foundation for what we are going to be expounding. We've read them severally again and again. Let's just get into them again. 
Now, what are we discussing? Dominion over sin. What are we, why are we talking about it? It is simple because we understand that sin is dangerous. Are you getting my point? Let me say something. No, I said something last time. Let me say it again. In the beginning, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. All right? And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light, and light came to be. And the Lord saw that the light was good. And the Bible says he now separated the light from the darkness. I want to go over that again. God separated light from darkness. When I read that, I realized that what he was saying is that it's possible for light to exist and darkness is still there. The way we used to think, at least the way I used to think about it, is that once you find light, darkness disappears. But I found out that it is not always true. It is possible for light to be present, all right, while darkness is still there. The introduction of light does not automatically drive away darkness. That was why God had to separate the light from the darkness. And we see many scriptures that prove that. He said, what fellowship does light have with darkness? That is, Paul was writing in that Second Corinthians chapter 6, that sometimes you find people behaving funny. Fellowship, I mean, you are seeing light having fellowship with darkness. So he said there's a commandment. You come out from amongst them and be separate. It was a commandment. The people had to deliberately do the separating of the fellowship that is discontinuing the fellowship of light with darkness. Please, I hope you are getting my point here. You know, sometimes we just think that the, the, the moment light comes, darkness goes away. No, but we have seen from the scriptures, it's not always like that. It's a deliberate separation that we must do. And that was why then I talked about the, the, the fight against unbelief. Because you can have faith in your heart, and unbelief tries to rise up to try and counteract the faith. You will see it also. The devil tries to do that. That's what we must understand. Eve had all the knowledge of the commandments of God. Yet what the devil did was to come and give her something that she did not have before. To pollute her light. To pollute her truth. So that you are getting what I want to say here. It's very important. You know why I'm saying all of these things? It is possible. Listen, if you haven't read my book, I'm asking you again today, go and read it. Beyond Gifts and Talents. Please, if you have not read that book, go and read it. In Beyond Gifts and Talents, I explained the fact that your anointed does not mean you will succeed. You know how is no guarantee of success. You are called does not mean you will not die. Many have been called before you and they die quicker than you. Are you getting my point? You are called, God has a special unction upon your life does not in any way guarantee that life will be long at all. Heavily anointed people have died. When we're young, those days, in the face, I mean, we had things like this. That a man was on the plane, and the pilot gave one negative announcement. And the man was not bothered. Why? He found that Billy Graham was sitting on the same plane as him. He said, God will not allow Billy Graham to die. You don't know that sometimes the reason why the plane will crash is because of the Billy Graham inside there. Because one of the greatest Billy Grahams of the Bible, his name was Jonah. May a Billy Graham going in the wrong direction or body of light. <laughs> I hope you are getting the truth there. Because sometimes you think that Billy Graham is on the flight, people look and say, God won't let the man die. God has, look, God, he has killed people more powerful than that. Go and read the story again, that Exodus chapter 4, which we've read before. God himself stopped on the way after he called his own Billy Graham of those days, Moses. 
He said, this man is disobeying my rules. So the Bible says, God stops to kill him. It was when Zipporah suddenly realized what had gone happened, that she quickly did what was right, and Billy Graham's life was spared. Are you, you know what I mean by Billy Graham here now? You are anointed does not mean you will succeed, does not mean you will go far. That was why I wrote the book, Beyond Gifts and Talents. Why Gifted People May Fail. That is the subtitle of the book. All right? Gifted People May Fail. And that's what we're discussing again in this series. Dominion over sin. Sin is the reason why gifted people may fail. It's one major reason. There's one lie that crippled the body of Christ. I've heard people tell me before that for the Christian, there is no sin. I say some rubbish things. Don't you read the Bible? Why did John say we should confess our, confess our sins? If Christians, there's no sin. As far as Christians, I've heard that nonsense before. I'm talking to Christians, you don't talk about sin. Listen, you will die in your sins if you don't recognize that it's there. That's what I'm talking about light and darkness. Sometimes people have light, but they hold on to darkness. And the commandment again today is separate the light from the darkness. When Paul was writing to the Galatians that these are the deeds of the flesh, he was writing to Christians. He said, walk in the spirit so that you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And he says, anyone who participates in these things will not enter into the kingdom. What are we talking about here? <laughs> the scriptures are straightforward on these matters. But when we want to indulge in the loss of the flesh, they start, you know, you know, I've heard people twist scriptures. Sometimes I wonder that, God, you are very patient too. So this is the point I'm making. We must deliberately separate light from darkness. Let nobody lie to us that Christians, with them, you don't mention anything like sin. That is not true. What we are preaching, which is with my own message, is that we have dominion over it. Somebody say amen. amen. What I'm trying to explain today is that, again, all right, we've done it many times, is that we have dominion over it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The word of God is that sin shall not have dominion every, over every, every single one of God's children. And if you are one of them, sin will not have dominion over you in the name of Jesus. Amen. It is not as if there is nothing like sin. It exists. It is there. It is true. It's in the scriptures. We've learned it from the Lord Jesus, learned from the disciples and the apostles. They wrote it for us. But what they just kept on emphasizing is that it will not have dominion over us. That's what I'm trying to emphasize. Now, so I'm going to say something here. So why do we look at it? Why are we talking about it? It is simply because it's a poison of destiny. It is a poison of destiny. Many things, that's where I began it from. The word of God will have prospered in the lives of many of us, children of God, but because we refuse to separate light from our darkness, that's what the problem is. Light wants to produce something, but darkness is rising up again and again and is killing it. We see that principle in that, Mark, in that book of Mark chapter 4, when the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching us about the parable of the sower. He said, you find out that even though the word is there, able to prosper, even though that ground was good, in that the word could sink its root into it and could germinate and could grow. He said, but a time came when it was supposed to bear fruit. But other things, that's darkness now, that was inside there, they grew up and choked the word. Are you getting my point? The word was supposed to produce, but those things grew up and choked the word. That's, an, that's another way of looking at it. So you find out that when we don't deliberately separate light from darkness, when light will have produced for us, darkness will come out and choke. You're getting my point? And that's why Paul warned 
He said, make sure you deliberately separate your light from darkness. There is no relationship between light and darkness. He warned. Why did he say so? Let's open to it. Let's just look at it again. One of my most quoted scriptures, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, from verse 14. He said, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? And what fellowship has light with darkness? Are you seeing that now? That it is possible for you to have light and darkness intermingling, but to be wrong. That's what they were trying to say. So he said, make sure you don't let that happen. He said, what harmony has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Now, I know that he was speaking in the context of union and all of that, but he was using fundamental spiritual truths to explain what he was trying to say. He said, what agreement has the temple of God with idols? That is, sometimes you find people bringing idols into the temple of God. He said, it is wrong. He said, for we are the temple of the living God. Just as God said, now listen to this, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. He now said in verse 17, therefore, therefore, come out from their midst and be separate. It's a deliberate thing, says the Lord. And do not touch what is unclean. And I will welcome you, and I will be a father to you. Let me just say it like this. I will be a father to you in reality. You will experience my fatherhood. Because for him to speak to them, they were his children. He just said, he was saying that you will experience the effect of my being your father. And you shall be in reality my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Paul now says something, which is why I said we should open to this, the very next verse, which is in chapter 7. Therefore, he said, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What does that tell you? Except a man, except a woman, perfects holiness, except these people, these children of God, cleanse themselves of all defilement of flesh and spirit. They will not experience these promises. That's what he was trying to say. He said, we have a hope, these promises. We have a hope of experiencing the reality of the fatherhood of God. We have that hope. He said, for that reason, what do we do? We remove every hindrance. What are the things that cause hindrances? What are the hindrances to the flow of the fatherhood of God? He said, it's defilement. He said, it's defilement of flesh. It is defilement of spirit. It is defilement in every form. That's the reason why the destiny of a believer will not be manifested. Are you getting my point? This is the reality about life. This is why people's destinies don't manifest. This is a poison we are dealing with here. What we are just doing is that we are teaching the antidote that God said we have a way to cure it. Listen to me. Let nobody lie, lie to you that sin does not affect Christians. It does. It prevents them from discerning the mind of God. They are blind. Their, their ears are deadened. Are you getting my point? To what God wants them to do. They will not be able to make right decisions if they don't remove idols from their hearts. If they don't remove the iniquity from before their faces. They want to go to the right place, they will go to the wrong one. Why? Because the Holy Spirit will try to communicate with them, but they will hear wrongly. The signals will jam. I hope you are getting my point. God will be shouting, but their ears will be deadened. They will not be able to experience what God wants them to hear. God wants to lead them, but they will take the wrong decisions. Listen, the ability to hear right counsel is a spiritual trait you must have. Because you see, when God was going to destroy Rehoboam, what did he do to him? He, look, listen, even though, you must understand something. Even though God wants to do something, hmm? what I mean is that God wants to destroy Rehoboam, all right, and I mean, he split Israel into two. 
if Rehoboam had listened to the counsel of the elders, that judgment would have been on suspension. That's just the way life is. That judgment would have been on suspension. So what did God do? God simply said, don't worry, he won't listen. And that's what sin does to people. They will not be able to listen to sound counsel. They will not be able to make right decisions. They will not be able to choose what is right. They will try, but they will not succeed. That's the point I'm making here. They will think I'm going for that which is good, but they will deliberately reach for that which is bad. Why? Because of sin. I wrote in that book, um, um, Beyond Gifts and Talents, I described the story of Samson. What was Samson's problem? You know, because for a long time as a young boy, you know, do you watch movies? Oh, if you ever watch, you know, some people watch movies and they are inside the movie, like my wife. <laughs> my wife's watching the movie. <laughs> you know, when we first married that time, now I'm just saying now. I used to wonder, what's wrong with this girl now? It's a film. He said, what's wrong with him? Why is he following her? Can't you see? And I told him, I said, baby girl, the director said, follow her. <laughs> you know, I used to wonder. You know, those days, at the point now, I used to get angry. Because she would beat me like, whoa, what's wrong with this man? Why is he shooting? Very wicked man. He's shooting that man. What did the man do? And I would look at her like, Okay, this script says shoot. <laughs> Let's just enjoy this movie and stop asking me these questions. <laughs> but now, after many years, I don't do that anymore. When she says, ah, why is he shooting her? I say, oh, he's a wicked man. Say, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think he's going to die? Yes, I think so. It won't be nice if he died, though. It would be very terrible. That is, <laughs> you know, there's no, you know, sometimes there's you know everything you argue over. She said that's how she enjoys watching movies. So I just, I, st- I, st- I don't enjoy it till now, but at least. <laughs> I just try. <laughs> now, what, what am I saying this now? Sometimes you're watching, the, you're in the story of um, Samson and Delilah. And you're like, why are you telling her? Why are you telling her? Why are you telling her? Don't tell now. Don't tell. She's going to tell the Philistines. Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't you know? Don't tell. (laughs) You know the truth? He couldn't help but tell. That's what I found out. The man has to tell. Why will he tell? The strength not to tell. I was lost. And Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a harlot. And he went to this other place, and he saw a woman there. As the man was seeing a woman here, seeing a harlot there, going into her here, what he didn't know was that his life was being donated here and there. It's a spiritual substance. He was wasting it. People think that iniquity is, is whether they see me or they don't see me. No. It is the thing that prevents your head from working. You will see Delilah like this, and she'll show you ID card. Delilah, commission to destroy your life. You will tell her everything. Why? Your head won't work again. Why? The ability, the spiritual strength was lost. When you went to the house of, in Gaza, that her lost wife, you left a big portion there. Look, and when the Bible tells this man went here, did this, just know that that's how he was doing everywhere. That was his destiny. He was thrown away bit by bit, leaving it everywhere. 
The day he needed the strength to succeed, he didn't have it again. Sin poisons people. It's spiritual poison. You want the man to die, you inject him with a bit of toxin of sin. His destiny will just be wasted on the streets. No wonder Solomon now warned. He said, should your springs be scattered abroad? He understood. It's a wasting of spiritual substance. That is why we fight iniquity. I'm just reading because I think I'm going to finish the message today. That is why we fight it. No matter how many principles of success you learn, one principle of sin will kill it. That is the truth. That is why we have to separate our light from our darkness. Light must be separated. What is darkness? It is sin. But our emphasis has been on, let me not forget to lay the emphasis. We are overcomers. Somebody say amen. amen. In Christ Jesus, sin shall not have dominion over us. Somebody say amen. amen. There is no addiction, no power of lust we don't have power over. There is none. There is none. There is none. None. Zero. Unless you are not a true believer. I've explained, and I'll explain it, just review it again. The major problem is that people start late. They plant the seed, they water it, they nurture it, they enjoy the process. When it is now time to eat the fruit, they say, no, I don't want to eat. Who will now eat it? You've been planting and watering and nurturing. Who will now eat it? You've been flirting around the sin. Who will now eat it? You have been cutting it. Who will now eat it? Now say, no, nah, I'm going to resist. You can't resist. It's too late. When they served you food, you chopped. They say, bow to idols. Say, I will not bow. You will bow. Today, you must bow. When you were eating all the food offered to idols, what did you think it was? It was incitement to bow. Eating the food sacrificed to idols was easy to resist. The king was not watching you. You were just a servant. It was a servant that said, please, eat. He said, sir. No, we are good Jews. We don't eat such things. It was easy. You were not afraid of them. I was a man you could talk to. That's the time you win. But many people want to eat, eat all kinds of things, hang around the wrong places, then finally say, in fact, I was listening to a message. I was telling my wife, you know, yesterday night. There's this set of messages I have from Rima Bible School, all right, one of their minister sessions. Different people were teaching. You know, because sometimes you are so addicted to the main man, you don't listen to the other men, which is not good. It's very bad. <laughs> So anyway, this one, because I had the messages in my car, I was not listening to the message. And the man was saying something very interesting. He was talking about um, sexual um, integrity in pastors, morality and all of that. And he was saying the pastor that, listen, that, it's not the, that the very act of adultery is not where it started. Are you getting my point? That was his emphasis. That that's not where it began. That people tend to focus on that. He said, but actually, that's not where he started. So he was taking pastors through the things that produce it, these different stages, and showing how to be careful, how to draw what he called boundaries of physical space, boundaries of touch, boundaries of words. He was talking about those boundaries. Telling pastors, listen, you, are going to, you want to see a woman for counseling? Make a law ahead of time. This is where I see everybody. I know of one pastor that I heard of, his counseling room is made of glass. You are alone, but everybody can see you. He will close the door so that nobody can hear. But everybody passing. The whole thing was made of glass. That was his law of location. That's what that man called it. 
Alright? Now, why I'm talking about that is because the man explained that, listen, it is not the act that's the problem. That's not where it starts. Let me use my own words. That is when it has born fruit. All the while, people have been planting the right seeds. And I want to emphasize to believers again, if you are struggling with anything, go and check the kind of seeds you are always planting. Because many people, they enjoy the seeds. Because somebody lied to them. That's why Jesus had to come and say, the Pharisees, yes, except they catch you, there's no problem. But let me now tell you, I am the Lord that hears the thoughts of your heart. Therefore, I say to you, if you as much as desire it in your heart, it is sin. If you sit down and brood on your thoughts, even if you don't carry it out, you have already done it. For example, about murder. He said, if you sit down and nurture hatred, as far as I am concerned, you know I can read your heart. Your brethren can read your heart. The Pharisees cannot read your heart. They don't know what's on your mind. I know. And you have already sinned against me. Why? Because that's when you plant the seeds. The outward things are the fruits. So when you find out the Bible said that we have authority, we have power, we can overcome. Yes, indeed we can. It is just that we often start late. I heard one story. If I let me tell you a story. It's very interesting. It really happened. One of my friends, a pastor, he said one day a young woman called him and said, Pastor, help me. This torture is too much. This torture is too much. That she has this funny spiritual experience. Now listen to the very interesting. She would try to sleep. Then she would either dream or really feel as if a man would enter into her room, all right? Physically subdue her, all right? And rape her. Doesn't see anybody, but she gets her experience all the time. It was torturing her soul, was going to destroy her. So she called my friend, the pastor, and said, please help me. And that one said, all right, you're on the phone. He said, I will pray for you. He said, he was telling me later that he prayed for her. And then she just heard a voice, two people talking, and said, she has our money. Are you getting my point? You are praying. You hear people saying, she has our money. And she sent two voices. And something told her that one of the voices spoke from Ogun State. Another one spoke from maybe, let's just say Canada State. You know, there's a way spiritual discernment is. All right? If you, you, know, you just know something, you don't know how you know it. All right? He said, just need that one of them spoke from Ogun State. The other one said, just take another state. Spoke from, let's say, Edo State. I don't know for, for sure. All right? Now, he is in the east here. All right? And he just felt that that's where they spoke from. So he called the lady back and said, well, what happened with, between you and the man from Edo State and between you and the man from Ogun State? And the girl was surprised. Like, how did you know? Then she confessed. The one from Ogun paid her way to do MSC. The one from Edo rented a flat and furnished it, and that's where she's living. <laughs> My friend is a pastor, told me this just a few months ago. He said, we're just praying for the lady because she was desperate. What is going on? What is going on? What is going on? She thought she had sense. That's what I'm talking about, sowing the seeds. One of the things I noticed now, please, my wife thinks I'm a bit on the wicked side, but correct me if I'm wrong. I said, you know, sometimes a woman stands on the road, and she's actually looking for lift. Lift. She doesn't want anything more than lift. But I asked myself, why do you think I will carry you? A lot of times, subconsciously, we use our sex appeal. 
to stop the man. You know he will stop me. I'm a fine girl. He will stop. I don't want anything. I just want to live from here to there. But what is the reason why he will stop? He wants to carry the babe. Then, of course, me, I will, if you let him try anything, he will know who I am. You see, that's what I'm saying. You know, God is already against you. It's called fraud. You're defrauding the man. Yes. How? You deliberately are using his lust to get him to do something. If it crosses your mind, don't go anywhere. Go and pay your money for, for, for taxes. If it's literally, we are stranded, hey, let's look for help. And we, you know, because these are mind issues. Are you getting my point? <laughs> because you can that's why I said that my judgment may be wrong. That's why I find most, most time people are looking for a lift. You don't find the guys. They've gone because nobody's going to give you a hard face. Come on, get away. <laughs> you see all the women will line up. The guys have gone to for bus station because nobody, if they think you are carrying guns, so. <laughs> the, the, the times are hard, I may I beg. Before somebody shoots me. <laughs> but they take all the risk when it's a lady. Now, like I said, I'm not totally 100% right, but you get what I'm trying to explain. That's why some banks, those days, God said, I will judge you people. They want to go out for marketing, they send young ladies. Teach them to dress seductively. They, they claim they don't expect the girls to do anything wrong, but they are just using the appeal. It is called sowing to the flesh. It's a seed. If you're MD of a bank, insist. Jesus used to send people out for marketing. How? Two by two. Jesus never... He did it. Look, and this were men. Yeah, they said, please, please, I don't want stories that touch. You people are going two by two. If you're MD of a bank or a company, you want to send people like that out who have to... You know, they have to meet, you understand, big men and all of that. It's simple. Send them out two by two. Just insist. Just part of personal moral principle. If you're a young lady, I'm sorry, you must go with a guy. If a man wouldn't give you money, then we don't want his money. If he won't patronize us, we don't want his patronage. We want to be patronized based on the integrity, the quality of our work. We don't want any woman to throw breast around to bring money for us. It's called wages of harlotry. Don't bring to the temple. People, that's why people are arguing, is this sin, is this not sin? Listen, me and you, we know what's going on inside our hearts. We know what is going on. This is how we sow seeds that are wrong. Then when it wants to germinate, we don't understand why we don't have the strength to resist anymore. We sow the seeds. And sometimes, listen, let me tell you something about seed, spiritual seed. You don't have vested from where you sowed it to. 